welcome to our closing session. You'll see that this is entirely blank. <laughs> um, so this is all, this is all unscripted. Um, when we were putting together this conference, and one of the things we talked about was the fact that um, often when conferences of this kind, if there is, has been a conference of, of this kind before, when conferences happen, there's not always a sort of satisfactory conclusion. There, there isn't um, a, a session that brings um, things together at the end of the day. It's something that we felt we wanted to try and, and, do, uh, and do with this conference. But also because of the diverse nature of the, the panels and, and the very wide-ranging discussions we were having, we weren't sure what those conclusions would be or, or what exactly would we bring together. So I think what, what we would like to do is really just throw it open um, uh, to the floor for reflections, questions, ideas, um, things that um, people feel that have, have, have got from the day. Um, and perhaps with, with a few um, useful prompts, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to invite uh, Lee and Peter and Judith to, to take the stage. Um, not necessarily to, uh, to speak or direct the conversation, but really just um, to, to answer questions, if people have particular questions they'd like to ask, or to just... Yeah, actually that would be good. Could we put the lights up? Because I can't really see any of you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Then it's not, it's not us and you, it's just everybody together. That, that, that would be better. So as I say, this is entirely unscripted. It will go where it goes. Is there anything that people feel, anyone feels they would like to say, to, um, reflections or questions? What was yours? Uh, do we have a, a roving mic? Bear with us a moment. Um, something that I was just thinking was maybe missing for me, which would be good if something like this was on again, but I think we're talking about how important the arts are, but it's not been very interactive in terms of the arts, and I think I would really have liked an opportunity to engage in some of the arts as part of the conversation today, as well as hearing about them in a more passive way. Okay. Well, that's a bit, before you give back the mic, uh -huh. <laughs> that's a really interesting observation and, and something. Yeah. Uh, we, um, do you have examples of, uh, of the thoughts about how we might be able um, to do that? With, uh, with movement or with visual art or mm -hmm. um, having something that's maybe, I mean, there was, there was good opportunities in all of the workshops to have interactive conversations. Yeah. But I think some of those conversations could have been with the arts as well. Yeah. Well, um, as I say, this conference is very much an experiment. It's the first time we've done this. We are hoping to be able to do it again next year, um, possibly on a larger scale, possibly over two days, and we'll, we'll look at what the possibilities are as we go along. But yes, I mean, the, um, there are, obviously the, the shape of this, the, we had one day, we had limited time to, to um, cover a lot of ground, so we did inevitably slip into a sort of panel discussion format because that works and it's, it's a good way to cover ground quickly. But there's, there's, we would like to explore and look into all kinds of options of, of workshops, of something more participative. Um, yes, we have a, a one here and one here. Um, if anyone would like to engage in a short 
arts activity. At the bottom of the stairs, there is a tapestry that was made during the Moving Minds event last October um, with Vox. And um, you can go down and have a, a look at what people have contributed to it. I asked people to think about a powerful experience that they'd had and translate that into colour. And then those coloured strands have been woven into a tapestry. And they've all got little tags that explain what those experiences were. And there's some materials there to contribute your own. And then I will weave it into the tapestry. And then on that note as well, um, the team brought me along to do some drawings uh, and illustrations of all of the talks. Uh, and they're all, all going to be up on social media. So if anyone wants to engage in a visual way with the content, then that will be available later once I put it up. Thanks. I just wanted to pick up on, on one aspect, which was the writing workshop that we've, we've just had. The um, thing that occurred to me uh, was that quite often we tell our stories as service users, but the problem is it kind of reinforces it every time we tell it. Whereas if we write about it, we can park it. Certainly that helped me. I, I wrote about uh, 10 years ago now. Um, and that, for me, was very therapeutic. We talked about the therapeutic nature of writing and also writing for an audience at a purpose. And certainly, I think, the therapeutic thing, you forget about all your questions about who's it for and why you're writing it. it you just splurge it out, basically. Mm. Maybe take a couple more points and then I can get some reflections <coughs> from you guys as well. Uh, over, over here and then over there. Uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, thank you. I thought today was amazing and I've, my head is full of creativity and, and things I never even knew about before. So I just want to thank everyone who's been involved in it because it's been brilliant. Um, and I guess something that I perhaps in maybe next year or next time something like this happens, something that I would like to see a bit more of is um, arts therapies. So um, myself, I'm a drama therapist. Um, and I'd love to see that aspect of how they're used as therapies um, in, in something within this context of how theatre and the arts can be therapeutic. Because um, obviously I'm, I'm quite biased in that aspect. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, just thank you very much. And there was a, a hand raised uh, over here. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, with the limitations of seven sessions, we weren't even able to cover all art forms. I mean, uh, music was something we wanted to talk about, and there just wasn't space, but that, that, that's something we'd, we'd like to do next year, I think. Hi, yeah. Um, I just wanted to say I really enjoyed how this day's managed to bring together arts practitioners, but also practitioners from the medical world of um, either counselling or psychiatry or psychology. Um, and I found trying to bridge the arts world and the medical world can often be really tricky because each world really distrusts the other one and everyone just goes, no, we do it right. And they're like, no, you're part of the problem. And then it all just gets very angry, um, which isn't very helpful. So I was wondering how people saw like the marriage of arts and medicine in the future and how we can bridge those two kind of worldviews to help okay. service users and sort of everyone really. I think that would be a really interesting point to put to Lee and Judith and Peter. Do you have thoughts on that? Um, yep. Um, well, I think particularly because we're talking today, not really just about mental health, but about stigma. Um, and stigma isn't a medical 
process, it's a social process. And so it's an emotional feeling. It's about, usually it's about imagination. It's not even about real negative experiences people have had. It's about imagination and it's about emotion and it's culturally embedded and continued. And so I, I think progressive medics and, and, and health people and socially aware artists are, and have a huge amount in common and the experience what we didn't do at the beginning was talk a lot about the festival itself, which is, it gets 20,000 citizens in Scotland together every year and hundreds of partners and organisations. So I don't think it is a difficult um, link. I think that happens and it happens beautifully. I think on, on either extreme of any grouping, you will always have difficulties, but um, I, I, I feel it's a really... Uh, effective way of engaging and, and um, influencing people and bringing people together to do important things. Uh, um, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with Lee on that. My, my kind of observation, I suppose, is, is something that comes just from listening to some of the conversations about the, the challenge and the and potential difficulty, but also how people creatively overcome that of, of portraying the inner world, and I, that really struck me in, in one of the sessions. Um, and for me, that's, that, that for me is a, strikes me as, being, as a fundamental way of challenging stigma. And, I, and the reason I say that is because again and again in the last well, several months, a story that comes out particularly, and I'm sure there's many other examples, but is, is stories around self-harming, and body image and and anorexia and conditions that that relate to that particularly seem to affect young people mostly but and that lack of understanding of the inner processes that lead to external behaviors and that strikes me really strongly that that that, that how the art the role of the arts in helping people understand that um, I mean, I think already is, and has more potential to be really powerful. And so, exploring that, the representations of inner worlds for people. Um, I mean, I've been to, as it happens, the Matt Haig book launch and the, the films this afternoon, and all, in different ways, and in, and and in the right to recovery work, people I think have a, have achieved that, and that for me is massively. It's, it, to be honest, it's really helped my understanding, which you know that's my job. But but to see that and to engage with it, I think, um, is really powerful. And so at that, that that's kind of um, a, a process. Uh, now, you're an audience of people who want to engage with this material clearly, um, or even be in the room. Uh, and. The, the, the next challenge is, is reaching of that wider audience for whom it's much harder to engage with and 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 maybe that what I maybe said earlier about the arts doing that in a kind of softer way and not so confrontational. Um, where there are real challenges is people's attitudes and understanding. Um, we were talking lunchtime about experiences in A and E and different kind of primary care settings, which are very commonplace. So um, that, that that's just kind of really pinged all that stuff open sure. as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, no, I hear the point about more art forms, and I, I think we didn't really, with the exception of film, have visual arts today. And I think that if you look up mhfestival.com, which is the, the Scottish festival uh, you can see on, up on the screen, I think you'll see down through the years 
they programmed quite a lot of events like that and, and to draw people into difficult subjects like self-harm or, or you know, uh, you know, learning disabilities. They're really, these are hard cells, so you really do need to engage people you know, using the arts. Um, I think the spoken word is something we need to reflect on as well, that even though we had a poetry recital, we just sort of workshop on the written word, you know, the th things like stand-up comedy or, or, or storytelling are really powerful ways of, of, you know, talking about things that are very complex. And, you know, this is the next phase, isn't it? You know, that we, uh, you know, even when I was doing my medical training, you know, you, you didn't even tell someone they had Alzheimer's dementia. And that would be, you know, unethical now if I didn't actually... But that was that was how it was then, or certainly growing up in the seventies in Ireland, uh, cancer was profoundly stigmatised. So you just knew somebody was dying, but nobody even said the word. So now we're having these conversations about borderline personality disorder or or something really difficult like self harm, and because we haven't talked about self harm before, people are self harming. It's that simple. So I, I think I'm hearing really good ideas now, and I, I'm just you know I'm not I don't have the answer, but. I'm hearing we're reflecting on, on, you know, very challenging subjects. Uh, just the, my colleagues already said that um, it's been a great conference and we've all thoroughly enjoyed the day. Um, but I think you're right. I think it could get into a, a two-day session, but that would be the, we see how the funding and such lights go. Because as what Peter says, um, you could have, we come from Platform, uh, which is a service user-led organisation and it's uh, funded by social work. We run creative writing groups, we run, we run drama groups. Now we could have somebody in here, do you see a couple of people, can upbeat it, make, make it more, can uplight, say like maybe five minutes for two people to do a bit of poetry, somebody to do a bit of drama, somebody, somebody to do a bit of music. So put a bit of upbeatness into the, the whole conference and say, well, we're talking about we're talking about service users, we're talking about people who use the services. Let's see them up there and let's see what they're actually producing because there is a lot of people who, by, by going to our um, events and uh, different courses we run, they've got quite a lot of confidence and I'm sure they'd be quite, li quite willing to come along and I'm sure I'm not the only organisation in here that's got... A, a serve, I don't like the word service users, but that's that's what we're called. Um, who'd be delighted to come up here and sit and do a turn, as we call it. And um, I think I'm still so impressed with what Peter says today about how we're getting used and we don't know it. <laughs> I'm putting it in my own language, and uh, I think that's something that you should look at. Okay, thank you. Thanks for the day. Um. One thing I would say is we were really encouraged by the response to this event when we announced it. When we first announced the programme in, in February and put tickets online, we had no idea what sort of response there would be. And it was all the tickets were taken within, I think, a day, two days, and there was then a, a waiting list for tickets. Um, so that gave us the confidence to feel that if we do this again, we can hopefully do it on a, on a, on a, a larger scale and, and, and bring in... Um, uh, 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 more art forms, more ideas, much more of an interactive element, which is, um, if you do a longer event, then it's much more possible to do that. But yeah, we're, we're very conscious that it's been people on stage and people in the audience, um, which is part of the reason why we wanted to do this this final session in, in this way. But um, yeah, I, I think there's uh, potential to try all kinds of uh, new ideas. And 
um, even if you don't get a chance to speak just now, please do get in touch with us um, uh, at the Mental Health Foundation with uh, ideas, thoughts about um, uh, what, what sort of shape an event like this uh, might take in the future. Are there other things that people would like to um, add? Um, someone down oh, over, over here and then... Okay. Again, just want to echo some of the other thoughts and just say thank you and congratulations. Um, there's a few of us that have come up from South Wales for this event today to listen and learn as we strive to put on the first ever Welsh Mental Health Arts Festival. You know, we've been looking from the outside of what you do and there's no way, uh, sorry, there's um, no doubt that you guys are leading the way here along with colleagues in, in Ireland. Um, I just wonder if there's scope to perhaps going forward having a shared online platform maybe to continue conversations between conferences and festivals like this so we can continue to learn from and work alongside one another. Um, Lee, would you like to respond? Um, I think there's also some other colleagues from Spain um, and other areas that are also developing their own festivals that may want to say something as well but yeah when we talk about social movement there has to be a reason for social movement and there has to be movement um, going on and I think this is something that, that we could do I think even as simple as a shared blog and an annual gathering is, is something that would motivate and enthuse um, activists and artists together and whether that has a greater creative and artistic dimension that, that's fine so much artistic work that actually we felt we hadn't had the chance to reflect and, and have the conversations that we've had today but something balanced something annual and something online, I'm sure, can, can, can be useful to motivate and, and share. Yes. Okay, there was a hand raised just down here and then, and then over here. Thanks. Yeah, again, can I add my congratulations to everyone who's been involved? I, I know how much work goes into these things behind the scenes so that we can all just turn up and enjoy it for the day and... Um, it's, it's certainly been an excellent day. Um, there's, there's been lots of examples of ways we can challenge stigma, of ways that the arts can be used to promote positive messages. And the, the, the two things that are kind of coming out my head in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm quite action-orientated, so I'm thinking about, firstly, how, how do we maintain the momentum of having had 100-plus you know, people in here today you know, can, can we look at blogs, can we look at examples of some of the good practice that have been mentioned many times, being kind of circulated, whatever else? And the other thing that comes to mind is the media, because you know, most people get their, their messages from their opinions, unfortunately, through the media. Um, and, you know, is, 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 is there anything going to be in press about this sort of event? You know, I know it's very difficult getting positive stories about mental health issues into the mainstream media, having been trying it for many years. But you know, I, I would have thought kind of 100-plus people from all over the UK and well beyond coming together in a conference like this for a day should be newsworthy. Well, I hope so. We had the Scotsman in today. Um, um, and I, I, I hope there will be some, some coverage. We'll, we'll, there'll be something in tomorrow, so, so, so we shall see. Um, Sorry, I just wanted to add there as well that we do, um, I, I know we've mentioned this a few times, but we have recorded all the sessions today. They'll be available online. Um, we've had someone illustrating the event, so that'll be available on our online blog as well. Um, we also have Rob Dickey, 
Hi, Rob. Um, at the back, Rob's been writing um, articles, interviewing people. Um, so we'll have a, a series of articles on the website as well. So I hope this isn't the end of the discussion. And, and please keep engaging with us online. We'll keep using the hashtag. Um, so, so keep talking to us. <clears throat> The, the hashtag. In case anyone hasn't seen this, is the hashtag. Yes. So if you're on Twitter, then please do. Just 2015. Uh, please yes. do talk about the uh, event today. And we had. Yeah. I also wanted to add thanks. It's just been a fantastic day, and it's been amazing the diversity of people from from everywhere. Um, I just wanted to reflect on the title of the the conference. Um, I'm just reflecting on. You know the dust of everyday life and to what extent that the panel and, and other people feel that is the hope or the aim to move towards um, the stories that we've talked about over today in terms of stories of mental health or mental illness or well-being not necessarily being about mental health at all but just being stories of life of lived experience um, and would is that is that what we're aiming towards um, this comment makes me think of something that came up during the television session earlier um, uh, was with the difficulty of um, mental health storylines um, uh, in, in television um, being that they become mental health storylines you know and, and really if um, if one in four people um, uh, had mental health issues one in four characters in, in television um, should have that reflected in, in the stories that are being told about them there is a danger there, isn't there, that it becomes a sort of compartmentalised thing. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, a, the, the title, does anyone want to say anything about the, <laughs> the, the, the name of the comes of the idea of everyday life, Lee? <laughs> no, no comment on the title, not involved in it at all. But I do have a question, uh, a question for the audience really, actually, which is, if you don't, is that okay? Yeah, um, I. But what, what's impressed me in, all, in most of the sessions that I've been in is that people have been very sophisticated and clearly political. I mean, this is, ultimately this is a social justice issue, and not party political, but you can't depoliticize inequality and social justice issues, and people have been very overt about that. And it's taken it away from the art a little bit, but one of the questions for the audience is, if we take it back to the very first session on the Dawn Raids, what we got was a huge social movement, social action around a, a, a major issue in Scotland. Incredible, isn't it? People yeah. who are quite poor got together, banded together to protect a community who, uh, and, and their fellow citizens, and that real, real action. But what that had was a very specific core within there, a very specific issue, which was the Dawn Raiders. We knew the inequality was difficult. So, in relation to mental health, and if we are talking generally, or, or often in, in this, around people with enduring mental health problems, what's that called? What are we asking? What are we protesting against? Which could really harness the energy. And, 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 it, and, and that, that's one of the questions, I think, that, that, we all, that, that mental health struggles with because of its nature in, in campaigning terms. So, um, Apologise for taking it away from the art a little, so it's a very arts audience, but what is it we're asking for? What's being asked for that's clear and motivating and can really drive change in the way that the Dawn Rays were very... It's a question. Back to you. Well, since Lee is posing the question to the audience, is there anyone in the audience who'd like to respond to that? I think for me it's about... Uh, clarifying what our attitudes are to mental health are and then moving back a step and thinking about 
why our mental health is so poor and thinking about things like austerity and and detention uh, of asylum seekers there's like currently i think there was there's 15 people on hunger strike in Dungavo uh, detention center like right now and it's not being covered in the media and nobody knows about it um so it's about like bringing strength from these creative approaches and taking them back to like really important grassroots campaigns that matter to mental health even if they're not specifically about mental health yeah um i suppose to link that to the the title of this conference part of the idea of the title is that mental health is everyday life you know um it, it doesn't just affect one and four, it affects everybody in some way, and it feeds into everything. I, 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 when we were putting together the Glasgow Girls session, I mean, the obvious, one obvious reason for us doing that session is that Amal now works for the Mental Health Foundation, so there is a, sort of a, a connection there. But I remember the reaction from some people was, how is that connected to mental health? Um, but actually, as soon as the session started, it became immediately obvious how it does connect to mental health. Because of course it does. Because if you're being hounded from your home at four o'clock in the morning, that, of course that's a mental health issue. In a, a social justice, a mental health issue. I mean, you, it, it connects. Yeah, everything is a mental health issue I mean, in, in everyday life. I, I guess that's what we're trying to, to get across. Um, uh, um, someone at the back, and then. then over here. I think uh, absolutely, you might point. But I think actually after that girl's comment, I think it may, makes me actually, and I've been very aware, you know, my mother has two, two sons, this for this five, and I've worked with kids and animals, I've worked with people all my life. But following that girl's comment, this is very important because it, it it's actually matters how we actually treat each other every day. Because mental health problems arise through lack of communication, lack of intimacy, lack of connection, people not taking time. And the whole society is geared up, actually. It's too damn fast. And I've been a mother of two sons. My main regret, and I was anorexic, drugs, alcohol, anorexia, but suffered with depression, 1970s, as a young woman. Um, my real recovery, and I've been clean and dry and sober, and I've been worked damn hard, has been over the last seven, eight years. Not that I was recovering, but just the whole thing's just coming really, I'm really awake. Um, we don't talk enough. And I was just saying that to somebody the other day. If I've got one regret, and I don't like using the words, it's not taking the time for can you, my children. And I, because I moved, I moved 18 house moves, but I was a bloody good mother. You know, I think that after that, once I saying that, you know, turn back and pull somebody up. Don't pull somebody down. We gossip far too much. We tittle-tattle. We backstab. We're trying to look so good. You know, we're really basically, we're all the same. We're all the same. And there's a market out there, we're competing for money. You know, the Earth's crust in ratio is equivalent to the skin of a soap bubble. Let's go over ourselves and let's actually care and let's build communities. We've got to actually do something. The time is now and arts, photography and everything is really important. And I love the name, the dust of everyday life. Stand up, dust, it, dust, it, dust yourself off and go on with it. And let's actually join, join together. And as it's that fella, the black sheep have found a flock. We're not going to be held down. Um, I think we had someone come to speak up the front here. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I agree. Yes. 
all of those things. And um, also about sort of what the, I don't know what the battle cry is the right word, but like what is it that we're kind of demanding when we're, when we're investigating all these issues. And one of them for me is, is funding for the NHS um, because there's a big difference between myself as a service user who's in the very lucky position of being able to pay for private mental health care and my friends who are just as ill as I am who haven't got access to it because they can't pay the masses of money that it takes to access private mental health care. Hello. Um, to respond to that as well, I think another kind of battle cry should be um, referring back to like what Peter was saying about how in Northern Ireland in the 1970s you couldn't even say the word cancer. I think we're still today in 2015, um, we still have this huge stigma that we're dealing with and still today service users or you know sufferers or wh whatever you want to say, um, whatever word you want to use for someone who has any kind of mental illness, people are still uh, not saying what it is to their friends, to their family, to their work. You know, we, we can't even say, oh, my mom has, suffers from depression the same way that now we can even say my mom has cancer. So I think um, figuring out a way to do that puts things, puts it further out into the open so that then we can talk about it. And I know there have been discussions today about how it's not the same as a physical illness as Jenny was saying, she, she can't talk about it the same way as she does if she injures her finger. But I think for us as a society to be open and honest and talking about it, for more people to understand that one in four people are affected by it, um, would go a long way towards all these other issues that we're talking about, building community, getting more money towards for the NHS and that sort of thing. I just want, I wanted to just say, that, so there are platforms and vehicles and support for people to do that. Um, part of the part of CME program is to support people to exactly do that, either to speak in 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 settings like this or in schools or whatever, but also in the media. And then we have a range of media volunteers, and and we provide really you know strong support for people to enter into that domain knowingly and and and, and aware of the consequences. And we've got lots of experience of doing that, and there's lots of good people with experience of doing that. And so I. I I completely agree with you on that whole, some very interesting international examples of encouraging people to speak out in a way that is as safe and as responsible and with people knowing why they want to do that. And, and, and so we do do that. That programme is there, the support is there to, to anybody here in the room or anybody who wants to, to, to take part in that initiative or those initiatives were, were there to, to, you know, were funded to do that. Yeah, I think, um, I think, Lee, you said something about it being a social justice issue, and, um, and I think that's absolutely right. And I think part of the issue is the, the current dynamic of power and space and that people who are marginalised, like people with mental health conditions, are kept very limited in where they have access to, who they have access to in terms of representation. And I think uh, one of the key things that I would like to see is some positive discrimination from the people who hold the power in the purse strings towards those who are currently marginalised. It does, it does inspire a political comment, doesn't it, that I think we're paying a very heavy price for the Thatcher-Reagan years and this neoliberal neo bullshit and extraordinary, you know, 
My good friend Graham Scambler, who's a sociologist, wrote this paper on, called Greedy Bastard Syndrome. <laughs> but, and, and he wrote about it in the early 90s, and everything he wrote has come, you know, that somehow it's the right for Amazon and Google not to pay any tax. Uh, it's the right for, for conglomerates to destroy a high street. Uh, you know, and, and, and as you say, we don't want to use terms like marginalised. Uh, I, I was involved in a film in year 2000 called One in Four, and I got two huge criticisms. One was that I, I threw in drug abuse with eating disorder, with depression, with psychosis, uh, uh, you know, and with dementia. They're all, sorry, they all are, you know, sometimes, for goodness sake, you can see them in the same lifespan, you know. Uh, but the biggest criticism was one in four. It's not that common, believe it or not. And I was delighted that last year there was an attack on the phrase one in four because they said it's probably near to one in two. So th things move on slowly. But I think what Lee says about social justice and a rights-based approach you know, it is a human rights issue. And I think people are sort of saying that in different ways, and I think it's good to say it out loud. Yeah. Okay, so we, we should probably wrap up in about five minutes, but I think we've got time for a few more points from around this side. Um, so you had your hand up first. And, and... I only just wanted to say that today, on my way in, I noticed the see me posters in the subway, the underground. Hiya. I've suffered from anxiety and depression for a long time, and I just wanted to make the point that um, I was signed off work with anxiety, and like two years ago. And for the full time, my doctor signed me off as having a chest infection. Um, and when I went to go back to work, I wanted to go back gradually. And so I had to be honest about what was going on and my own father said to me, you can't tell them because what if you want to go for a promotion, they'll never give you a promotion. And that, I ended up, I was honest and they were actually very understanding, it was fantastic. But I think it sticks with me that even when I fill in application forms, I never tick, you know, you've had mental health problems. And I just think that today it's not something that we should be ashamed of and we have to be open about that and challenge that attitude. I just wanted to um, respond to the idea of the rallying cry. What's the thing that we um, can be taking from this? And I just wondered about uh, the rallying cry against an individualised world, because it feels like so much of what's been spoken about is um, the link between what's personal, uniquely personal, uniquely your own experience, and what is so universal. And that, for me, has been one of the themes of today, and the arts being a medium by which you can translate the personal to the, to the collective. But um, I wonder if the rallying cry is about uh, resisting being individualised, being pulled into being separate from everyone else, and uh, promoting a sense of common humanity, of, of what is collective in our experience, um, more than what is uh, just, just us on our own. Um, does anyone else have anything they want to add, or I might um, just grab it? Okay. <coughs> um, it's it's been really fascinating, and uh, you know it's been a, a fabulous place to be today. Um, what I'd like to say is, I'm an arts practitioner. Um, and I've probably had mental health issues for most of my life, so that's a, 
that's a hell of a long time to be dealing with that. Um, what my biggest bugbear is that people who practice the arts just don't get paid enough. So I don't want charities, organisations, you name it, to use artists as a kind of steady stream of labour to promote their own organisations without actually paying these people some decent money. I agree, and just on that note, we, one of the ways the festival evolved as a, as a movement was not to take money from the arts at all because there's so little going around and in fact to, to, to look at public sources of funding so that we provide a platform for arts and artists to do things. It's that, that we were, I only did that partly because my, my partner's in the arts and she says the same thing an awful lot. And although I talk about, we talk about these things in very general terms, it's usually what you get told at home, isn't it, that, that matters. So, I just wanted to come back on one last thing. Could, could I add before you say that, I mean, you can't, you can't solve one injustice by making another injustice. And I, I set up a service user and care involvement in the Royal College of Psychiatrists and the rule was people were paid for their expertise and paid for their time and paid for their full travel accommodation expenses and that, that, that's how it is. And every single committee, subcommittee, policy group on our Royal College of Psychiatrists has a user and care. That's it. And they're all paid for their time. And I, I hear what you say about artists. I mean, what, how bonkers would that be, as, as Lee's implying, that we would just, you know, take money and, you know, uh, make another injustice? Sorry. You're full flow. No, 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 it's right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing was just in terms of, I don't know how far it fits with the arts, but it's consequences. That, that, I suppose my background's in public health and there's hundreds of millions of pounds going into health inequalities. The 10-year life expectancy difference in East to West Glasgow and there's huge, there's a massive outcry and we see the same in race and in other areas of public life and yet these these facts if you're, even as a social constructionist, these facts of, of life, of exclusion from relationships love, work and, and years of life are maybe one of the things that can be really motivating and, you know, in the 80s of course, 70s, it was about exclusion from the very community in which we all existed now you know, we can talk about rights, but it's the realisation of those and the consequences for people's lives that somehow have to encapsulate, I believe, anyway, through the arts. Um, I think we'll need to wrap this up now. However, um, we are having a drinks reception um, in the club room. Is it called the club room? We turn left, and it's at the end of the balcony, and, and up some stairs will direct you. And um, if you would all like to join us for that, you'll be very, very welcome. Um, after half past five, but that's only... Ten minutes away now, so take a short break. And you promise the queue won't be as big as it was for the food. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try. Um, uh, so yes, it would be lovely to continue this conversation in, in, in all kinds of ways, and, and we can do that upstairs in a much more informal way. Um, there is a long list of people we would like to thank. If I start naming people, then inevitably I'm going to forget people, so um, I, I think rather than reel off a list of names out, I'll just say thank you so much to all of you for being here today, and um, thank you to all our speakers. Um, uh, thank you for, uh, to the CCA and everybody at the CCA for hosting this event. It's been uh, great um, to be able to do it here. Um, is there anyone you, anything you'd like to add to that, Gail? Okay, and please continue the conversation on Twitter. Get in touch with us by email or however. Um, join us for a drink in 10 minutes. Okay.